In a weekend that started off, unfortunately, with the Grizzlies season coming to an end, there's no better way to end a weekend than hearing the words, hell yes. Reaction to the Grizzlies season ending to start the weekend with plenty of takeaways from the end of the year media sessions to end the weekend. Sean Coleman here with the Michael Cole. It's Locked on Grizzlies, the first episode of the offseason. Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you're listening, you are having a wonderful, 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 wonderful start to your week. Find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Here with me is DeMichael Cole. I'm sure happy to be back in the Bluff City with the traveling that he's done over the past few weeks. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you, DeMichael. I, I, I think we you might expect for us to be a little bit more downtrodden now that the season is over, but I'm ready to get to work. It was exciting. I understand the playoff series didn't work out, but man, I'm ready to get to work because there is so much to build off of, off what was a special season. Sean, this is the fun part for me. This is the nitty gritty. This is, this is where you know, the basketball heads come out. And this is also where, you know, the short, the, the real definition of fan Fanatic, you push that word out, fanatic. This is where the fanatics show themselves because you know what's going to happen? At the end of this offseason, not just Grizzlies fans, there are going to be about 10 fan bases possibly who come in, come out of the offseason saying, we're about to win a championship. So I, I love this part of the year, son. It's fun. And it's great to be a part of that group, right? It's great to be yep. a part of a group, something we've not – been able to say before. You can find myself at Stats SAC on Twitter. Sean Coleman here, part of the great family over at Grizzly Bear Blues, also here at Locked on Grizzlies. To Michael Cole, to find him, find him at the Michael C. Awesome, awesome, wonderful first year with the Grizzlies. I'm not just saying that. I actually do mean it over at the Commercial Appeal. So much great content coming from DeMichael as well and your host here at Locked on Grizzlies. You want your top spot to come for off-season content? It's right here with me and DeMichael. So DeMichael, before we get into, you know, to obviously yesterday's, you know, big end of the year media sessions, let's talk a little bit about the series. Let's talk a little bit about game six. The Grizzlies coming off game five, which was a, you know, they whooped the Warriors ass. Let's just be honest. But going <laughs> into game six, you know, the Grizzlies again made this a very, very competitive game. But at the end of the day, you're not going to win many games allowing 23s and getting out-rebounded by 20-plus. And that was what defined the series for me. The Warriors finally showed up to their ceiling. But also, the big thing, the Grizzlies just could not get that consistent possession edge to be able to get victories that they needed, especially late. Game six was a, was a puzzling one, Sean, because, I mean, looking at coming into this series, I think me, you, and – Anyone who's watch, who watches basketball thought, man, the Warriors average rebounding team, not even top-tier rebounding team. Grizzlies have been the best rebounding team all season long. Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, uh, Ja rebounded as a guard. It's no way. We all thought this is the obvious strength that the Grizzlies had coming into this series. And at the end of the day, the Warriors kicked their butts on the glass and none so more than game six. Um, they had the rebounding advantage in every game except 
you know, uh, Grizzlies game five win. And it, it looked like, you know, the Grizzlies found something in game five on the glass. Steven Adams playing more, uh, you know, and, and everything there. But the Warriors, like good teams do, you know, they made that adjustment. And I think the main thing I took from it, Sean, was, uh, you know, we asked Taylor Jenkins about it. And you remember, I mean, he, he, he really didn't know. He didn't know what to pinpoint it to. I mean, Kavon Looney, I was talking to the Warriors beat writers just to get a better idea. You know, like, does he rebound, you know, at a high level like this? Like, just usually, even when he's playing 12, 13 minutes, is his rebounding present felt like it was in that game? And they said, no, no. So, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to put that together because this is a great rebounding team. Kavon Looney, uh, by, you know, talking to people on the Warriors side, he is not a great rebounding player. And the Grizzlies were the number one rebounding team in the NBA, and they got dominated, 70 to 44 on the glass. And actually, they held their own despite of that for three quarters, but it was that fourth quarter, Sean. I think the Warriors finished with 21 second-chance points. 13 of them came in the fourth, and that's when the game got broke open. Absolutely. And and you got to hand it to Kevon Looney. The, yeah, this, yeah. Not his typical performance. He absolutely dominated. The, the Warriors made the adjustments to go a bit bigger, and that's what they did. But another takeaway from this to Michael, and I'll get into this a bit more later this week, working on a piece over at Grizzly Bear Blues right now, about optimism and opportunity when it right. comes to the offense for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies in this series versus the Warriors – the Grizzlies made seven more threes than the Warriors and actually shot better three than the Warriors did. Where the Grizzlies struggled, the Grizzlies of all teams in the playoffs through yesterday, they had the lowest two-point percentage. Yeah. Any lowest field goal percentage on two-point shots of any team. And the problem is, is that some of those shots were bad shots. They're basically like turnovers. You're giving possessions away, and the Grizzlies just ran into too many of those opportunities. When you're combining not getting the possession edge due to not being able to rebound, plus giving away opportunities due to taking ill-advised shots, it just takes away opportunities that you're going to need, especially against a Warriors team that had Game 6 Clay going and Steph obviously catching up as time went on. Yeah. Uh, it, it 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 was a bunch of that, and and it's kind of crazy. You pointed it out because I kind of I talked about how the rebounding was flipped, like from everything we've seen this season. The Grizzlies have dominated the glass. It wasn't just that. I mean, you you kind of wonder, you know, it, it, something happened, like uh, uh, of the playoffs, you know. And a lot of people were saying, oh, a lot of the things that the Grizzlies were doing weren't sustainable in the playoffs. Is there some validity to that? I mean, we'll find out over the course of time, but it kind of showed, you know, it's ugly side uh, in that series and in the first round. You talked about the two-point field goals. Uh, they struggled against the Timberwolves there. And even when John Morant was scoring uh, at, at, at the rate he was in those first three games, averaging 38 points, I mean, they were basically, you know, giving him four or five feet of cushion at the three-point line. Uh, they came into this series just like the Timberwolves did with the idea of saying, we're going to take away the paint scoring of the Grizzlies. We're going to force them to beat us in other ways. And to the credit, the Grizzlies, like you said, they answered the bell for the most part of uh, shooting three-pointers. And we've thought, I mean, the, sh the numbers have shown, Sean, when they shoot the three-ball the way they did for a lot of this series, it's curtains for a lot of teams. And, I mean, Dylan Brooks, to put on a performance, how about the performance he had? Uh, a lot of teams don't beat the Grizzlies 
when they play that well, but it kind of was like an inverted reverse thing, you know, all the things that they were so great at. It wasn't even just that. It was second chance points. I just I just touched on that. They were the number one second chance team in the NBA all season long. Again, got dominated in game six as well. Got dominated most of the series in that area. And then, I mean, we touched on, you know, the transition scoring as well, something the Grizzlies have obliterated the entire league with. Um, same thing as well in this series. A lot of things that they were really great at, the Warriors did a good job of kind of taking away. But, you know, on a positive note, I think the Grizzlies showed, you know, a different side, Sean. They showed, hey, you take away our A, we have a pretty good B. It's just the Warriors, you know, they're a really good team. You got to tip your hats to them too. But a little bit of me is going to always wonder after this series. And I know talking to Taylor Jenkins uh, yesterday at the media availability too is um, the thing about this series, the Grizzlies didn't have their regular season starting lineup for one game. Steven Adams missed game one, missed game two, barely played game three. Didn't, and then John Morant missed the final three games. Dylan Brooks, first quarter, you know, early ejection, and then suspended for the next game. So essentially missed two games. Three Grizzlies starters basically missed two or more games in this series. Uh, Sean, that's something you you you, you wonder because we didn't even get to see Morant and Adams together. And we saw the impact that Adams had, but we didn't get to see uh, the full course of, of the Grizzlies in that series. Absolutely, and we're not here to make excuses, but we are here to point out that the fact, there are two things to take away from that. The fact that we did not get to see the regular starting lineup for the Grizzlies on a consistent basis means there's certainly room to grow. There's more here than we actually saw, which is highly encouraging, but also shows the X factors that Brandon Clark, Zaire Williams, Tyus, if he were to stay around, the depth that the Grizzlies have certainly can come to the surface and be really, really valuable even in the playoffs moving forward. But hey, the playoffs have happened. We're going to get into plenty more reaction and breaking down a lot of the stuff from the playoffs as this week progresses. But we have plenty to talk about when it comes to the end of the season media session with the one and only Michael Cole here to lead us through all the main takeaways from Sunday's great insight during the end of the season media sessions. Before we do that, though, I want to talk with you a bit about Sakara. You know, Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. It gives you the tools you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional essentials. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunch, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin growing. glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door ready to eat. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on or enter locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. Obviously, right now, though, the Grizzlies are, whew, I don't know what the heck's going on with my hat. Good grief. Right <laughs> now, Locked on Grizzlies is in off-season mode, but that doesn't mean there isn't still plenty to listen to when it comes to the NBA. And what was supposed to be an exciting day of Game 7s, it actually was just complete blowouts. Congrats. Blowouts. Absolutely. Congrats to the Celtics. Congrats to the Mavericks as well. Mavericks, Warriors this week. Celtics, Heat this week. 
all the latest on the Locked On NBA podcast. Make it your second listen of the day after making Locked On Grizz your first listen of the day. So I know that we're not supposed to say this with the season over to Michael Cole, but what I want to say after the end of the season media sessions is two words for you. I've got two words for you, DeMichael. Get it out, son. Hell yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and let them know why we're so excited about hearing that phrase. Son, it, it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere to me because John Morant, he basically just said, you know, He'll be in Memphis for the long term. And, and why wouldn't he? He is going to have an extension on the on the table that's going to be either five years, about $181 million, or if he gets named to the All-NBA team, which we certainly expect, five years, $217 million in Memphis, now, Tennessee. Now, DeMichael, I don't mean to interrupt you real quickly, but just if you wouldn't mind explaining that a bit more to our listeners, does that mean that he needs to make the All-NBA team this year? Or does he have to make it for the next two years? I believe the understanding is is that if he gets named All-NBA, that means that there basically is about a $30 million bump. Will you explain that real quickly? Because I'll be honest with you, me and you both understand it, but it can get a little bit interesting if you're someone that doesn't follow the NBA that closely when it comes to contracts. Exactly. So so with max contracts, you have salary escalators. Um, That's the way it works. That's why every player's max contract is not the same. For example... I believe Brandon Clark, if he were to sign an extension right now, it would be four years, roughly 60 million plus, somewhere in that range. And I think it's the same thing for a couple other Grizzlies players uh, who are extension eligible as well. But John Morant, um, when you, there's, there are escalators, and when you, I think it's 30% of the team's scoring production. And of course, I mean, 27 points a game and, and all the great things he did, you know, assisting the basketball. Uh, he exceeds that, and then there are the postseason achievements. More than anything, you know, winning an MVP, that's an escalator. Uh, being named All-NBA, that's an escalator. The escalator that John Morant has a chance to get is na- being named All-NBA. If he is named All-NBA, first team, second team, third team, it does not matter. He will be eligible for a five-year $217 million contract extension. So here's another guy, Michael Porter Jr. He signed a similar extension last year. And a lot of people probably were, you know, confused by the language in it because in Michael Porter Jr.'s contract last year, I don't remember the exact numbers, but, you know, he had a five-year extension as well last summer. And it basically was, it's going to be X amount or if he plays to this level next season and gets named All-NBA, it gets escalated to another amount. So even if John Morant technically doesn't make All-NBA this year, he has next season to make All-NBA as well before the contract kicks in. The contract, if he signs an extension this year, he'll play out the last year of his rookie deal, a la Jaron Jackson Jr. this year. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s uh, extension will kick in this next season. But last year, well, this past season, he played on his rookie deal. That's the situation that John Morant's in. Uh, Sean, I'm pretty much for going. I mean, it's going to be $217 million. It's going to be the largest contract in Grizzlies franchise history. And it's going to be the first time that a Grizzlies rookie signed that max extension. So take that. All the people who still mad about, you know, ashamed to be, then everything in between, you know, all those misses. John Morant, rookie extension. But uh, he's excited, Sean. One more thing. One more thing I wanted to add. 
Sean, it, when, when, when we were listening to him answer the question, this is how he started it off. He, he started it off kind of was like, oh, I love Memphis. And he didn't exactly say it straight. He didn't say, yeah, I'm signing the extension. Like I, I expected. So when he started the conversation, Sean, I'm I'm thinking, oh, oh, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna commit to it just yet. And you know, if you don't commit to it, it's it's, it's people are gonna wonder. But he eventually goes into the conversation and he says, if you're asking me if I love being here, and he says, Hell yes. And Sean, the relief around Memphis, Tennessee was let out at that moment. Absolutely. And I don't think that this is something that a lot of us had any question about, but it's always good when you have a player that you never had the caliber of before, like Memphis has in John Moran. It's great to hear. But the other thing, before we get into things some of the players said, let's talk a bit about Zach Kleiman, who, you know, we rarely hear from him. You know, I believe that this is the fourth time we've heard from him, you know, between the opening media session of the year through the end of the year media session. You know, Zach Kleiman talking about a few different things. He hinted without in what capacity he could. The Grizzlies are definitely likely going to offer Jaw the, you know, max extension. But a couple of other takeaways that really, really are nice to hear. Zach Kleiman has gone from 18 months ago saying, hey, this year is more about data accumulation for the young roster we have to now any move we make is in the idea of us going all the way. And also, we're going to be able to have the financial resources to pay who we want what they deserve to put this team in the best chance to win. If you wanted reassuring words that the Grizzlies are getting commitment from every single level that they need to have as long of a title contention window that they need, that certainly was great to hear from Zach Kleiman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big bag, Zach. That's what I call him, Big Bag Zach, because he, he came out and he straight shot it. You know, uh, people are wondering, people are wondering, you know, small market. And, and you hear you hear all of that. Right. Uh, you hear people say the things about, oh, can can a small market team uh, do this? Can a small market team do that financially? He comes out. And he basically says, we're not worried about any of those small market notions. He feels like they have the full support of Robert Pear, which is very critical, you know, because I had some people, you know, when I tweeted out, you know, his response, some people were were commenting and saying, well, Robert Pear is the owner. You know, he's like the fourth richest owner in the NBA. That is true. But, Sean, how many times have we seen billionaire or nine-figure owners get their money tight when it comes to going into the luxury tax? I don't think they... If you're an owner of an NBA team, you can pay a luxury tax. Let's be honest. They can afford it. But a lot of people are just non-committal with that process. So even though he's the fourth richest owner in all of that hoopla, there's still you needed to hear Zach Kleiman say he has the backing to sign whoever they want. And, and that's Zach Kleiman's words. He said that the Grizzlies, now, if they want to sign someone, they're going to sign them. In terms of re-signing, keeping the core together, of course, you know, there are salary cap restrictions when you talk about going, you know, to get guys from other teams and things like that. But as far as their guys, they have bird rights over pretty much everyone in this core. Uh, the entire starting lineup, John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, uh, you know, Zaire Williams was just coming off his rookie year, but, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, and so forth. They have bird rights over all these guys. What that means is at the end of the day, 
if the Grizzlies want to, they can pay more than any other team. Now, I'm sure certain numbers, you know, we'll get into the Tyus Jones conversation eventually later. Like, it's, there's a certain number probably for paying a backup point guard. But they have more financial flexibility than I think a lot of people imagine. And, and that's big, not just for right now. That's big for this core going forward. Think about OKC. You remember those days? They had James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. Did not want to pay James Harden the max. Shipped him. The rest was history. Absolutely. And after this team spent all year making history, you certainly want to give them the best chance to do that moving forward. We're going to discuss, kind of skim over some of the other highlights, especially from the players, you know, from the end of the uh, end of the season media sessions um, with DeMichael, obviously in person. But before we do that, you know, the other thing I want to talk with you about, DeMichael, is Built Bar. Listen, you know, we talk about a lot of different sources when it comes to our sponsors. When we talk about wanting to eat healthy, be you know, be right when it comes to what you put in your body when it comes to what you eat. Well, Built Bar is a great thing to do. Have it in the morning for breakfast, have it in the afternoon as a snack. My, DeMichael, you could probably even have it at lunch and be just fine and have the energy you need to get through the rest of the day. 100%, Sean. I, I, I had me Built Bar uh, for lunch. I've had a Built Bar for breakfast. And you know what? taste the same even at late at night too sean exactly exactly and it's a great way to hey begin your day in your day and if you go to build.com right now you put in the promo code locked 15 you get 15 percent off your next order from built bar make sure you make built bar a part of your day it's here to stay go to build.com put in the promo code lock 15 to get 15 percent off your next order from built bar Listen to tomorrow's episode of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. We're going to get a bit more into the playoff performances of several of the Grizzlies' best players, looking at what areas are we can be optimistic about. Also, some opportunities that may be there as well for growth when it comes to future playoff opportunities. Check out that and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Now, DeMichael, as you had mentioned, we're going to have plenty of time to really get in, break down, talk, you know, Many different from many different perspectives about the futures of several Grizzlies. But one of the things that really stood out to me when it came to potential extension for Brandon Clark, looking at the free agencies of Kyle Anderson and looking at the free agencies of Tyus Jones, one consistent thing that stood out to me, they all love Memphis. Sure, they want to make sure long-term that based off what's out there, they're doing the best for their situation individually. But when it comes to one thing that Memphis can offer, despite potentially being able to offer a little bit more money than other places, all of these players love the situation that they're in, and that probably has a big part to play into their decision about where they want to be long-term. Yeah. Um, I mean, just listening to Tyus Jones talk, he he he, loved, he loves his time here. You know, he talked really highly of just the city of Memphis um, and, you know, things like that. Uh, one of the players, uh, I'm blanking on who it was, but one of the players was like, oh, it's Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark, actually, when he, when he was asked about signing the extension and he said, you know, he thinks of himself as a cool, low key, uh, you know, person. He likes the way he vibes, you know, to the city of Memphis. And and then, of course, there's the team camaraderie that everyone who follows the Locked On Grizzlies podcast and everyone who reads my work, Sean's work, or just follow the Grizzlies, period. You all know how close this team is. It's one of the closest teams in the league. And it was showcased over and over and over. That stuff matters, you know. But at the end of the day, I think with these free agents, it's the older guys. You know, it's Tyus, it's it's Kyle. And one thing those guys know, and, and they kind of 
uh, hinted on to it a little bit is, you know, you got to take the emotion out of a decision like this. And, and that's the tough part because the Grizzlies have that advantage, especially with especially with Tyus Jones. You know, he he talked over and over about how special a season it was. But um, that's the advantage that they have. I mean, you, who, who would have ever thought that, you know, playing in Memphis uh, would have become such a, a lucrative thing? You know, I thought it would. But. I mean, now seeing, you know, these players who are our veteran players who play in Minnesota like Tyus, who played in San Antonio like Kyle with some really good teams, uh, they really enjoy being here. Now, we've already talked about the fact that Jaw enjoys being here. We know Jaron enjoys being yeah. here because he agreed to the extension. One of the big talks of the day. First off, let's also talk about one of the bigger takeaways of from the day as well, John Morant's health. It was revealed that the team is very confident that his yeah. knee injury is simply going to take care of itself. Non-surgical, some rest, some relaxation to get it healthy again, but he should be 100% well before the start of next season. Ja mentioned it himself as well. It's not going to be fun for him because of how much he loves to play. He wants to be out there. Yeah. Exactly. But he's going to do everything he can to be able to get back into the dark, as he says, get to work and become even better than he once was. But one of the key takeaways also comes to Jaron Jackson Jr. and the focus for him of becoming more consistent, regaining that outside shot. The consistency he showed on offense, he, the team, everybody wants him to be that consistent for it's on our defense, wants him to be yeah. that consistent for it's on offense. But the other thing that stands out that was talked about a bit, DeMichael, was the overall chemistry with John Jaron continuing to level up. And reps were the big thing that was talked about, but it was exciting to see the specifics that were there from Taylor Jenkins' point of view and Jaron's point of view for him to put in the work to get even better on offense going into next season. Yeah, both of those guys, uh, I'll start with Ja because – you know, he he he's a basketball gym rat. You know, he wants to be in the gym bad. And Grizzlies fans aren't going to like this. is going to hurt a little bit because John Moran, I mean, just to put in perspective, I guess, where he is where or where he feels he is. Because, you know, the diagnosis that, that we got from the Grizzlies was, you know, a bone bruise and doubtful to return for the playoffs. Not just the series, for the playoffs. John Morant said... He wanted the Grizzlies to win that game six so he can at least, you know, attempt. He didn't say he would play or anything like that. So don't 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 mix my words here. But he basically said he wanted to try to give it a try for game seven. That's a tough pill to swallow considering he was averaging 38 points. But it also talks to the warrior he is, you know, on the floor. He basically said anytime he feels like he can be out there, he's going to be out there. Uh, there was also the questions about, you know, his his health long-term and things like that. The Grizzlies feel like he's in a good spot. He feels like he's in a good spot. He basically said, you know, all of the injuries, uh, the way that they happened, you know, were just, you know, situational things. But uh, with Jaron Jackson Jr., this team, they really believe that he, he – we talk about untapped potential and things like that with a lot of players. Sean, they believe that guy can be really special. And, I, I mean, Taylor Jenkins gave him a list of things to improve on, right? Every player gets a list. You know, hey, you know, rebounding or, or shooting or, you know, um, work on, you know, isolations this or shot creating this. Jaron Jackson Jr. walked in the media room, Sean, with a packet. Not just one, you know, sheet like a lot of players get. Hey, work on this X, X, Y, Y strengths, weaknesses. He had a packet. 
it 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 looked like me writing my 12th grade essay, Sean. Uh, he comes in there with a packet. He sits it on the table. And I think someone mentioned, you know, uh, Taylor Jenkins talking about things he needs to work on. And he just picks up the packet and he's flipping through the pages. It's like, yeah, all of this is what he's giving me. He gave him that list, Sean, not because he had a terrible season. He's saying, hey, you need to get better at everything. He gave him that list. Taylor Jenkins basically said this. He gave him that list because they know how good he can be. They know the ceiling on that guy is is unlimited. And that's why I think he had the biggest packet of things to work on. And and they're really pushing him. And let's be honest, Sean, the extension kicks in this season. So uh, the the fairy tale stage is now over because you have a bad performance now. People are thinking about how much you're taking up on the books when you're on a rookie contract. But they really believe in him, Sean. They really think – he can uh, be something special, him and John Morant together. But I thought that was really telling how Taylor Jenkins talked about it. And then after he talked about it, we saw it. We saw Jaron Jackson walk in there with a big, thick packet of things to work on. And I agree. And it's going to be fun to see it. And especially with the fact that he's not going into this offseason with health in question. He got through this entire season healthy. That's going to be the focus of it. But I'll tell you another really, really fun thing, really, really fun takeaway from media day, from the end of the season media sessions. Zaire Williams, someone who comes across as very humble, very kind, very smart. He was very, very confident in his words, saying that he doesn't feel there are many people out there who has the skill set that he has to do what he does. given that the sky is the limit. But here is the big takeaway of all. Desmond Bain talked about how he's ready to get into the gym, put in the work. He's going to do it in Memphis. And who's the one player that he said he's going to do it with? It's going to be Zaire Williams. If last year was the summer of Bain, and it led to the breakout Bain had this year. Just imagine if Zaire works with Bain. It, I'm not saying you may see as big of a leap, but you see the progression, and you see the progression with the shot. How incredibly valuable that would be for the Grizzlies. But another big takeaway for me was how confident Zaire is after his rookie season, how confident he is going into the offseason, and the fact that Bain and Zaire are working together. If John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. are the most important pair to determine how successful the future of the Grizzlies are, the second most important may be Bain and Zaire, and them being on the same page would be a great thing to see, especially with the shot forming for Zaire. Without a doubt. We're going to talk more about it. But I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna give a tease. I'm gonna give a real tease right now because this is my early. You know, everyone's gonna have their crazy offseason predictions. We don't know what the Grizzlies are gonna do on the trade market and all that stuff. But as this roster is currently um, standing right now, Sean, I'll just say this: I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit if Zaire Williams is a starting small forward next season. Not not by a bit. I, I know Dylan Brooks long standing as a starter since he's, you know, pretty much the last four or five plus years in the league. I, I know all about that. But I also saw in that room how confident that guy was in his game. And it's funny because and I said we'll talk more about it. So I don't want to get too deep into it. But I will say this. It's funny how a lot of the Grizzlies fans saw this season. You saw him what as a spot up shooter guy getting out and transition a role player. Zion Williams said this is the first year in his life that he had to play a role like that. And he's excited to get on the ball more, to do all those things that he's done all his career. 
where Grizzlies fans haven't seen much of it, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, the glimpses we've seen, it's there. You're really going to see it in Summer League. He will be playing in Summer League. He said 100, 1,000%. He will be playing in Summer League. We saw what that did for Desmond Bain. We saw what working with Darko Rodkovich did for Desmond Bain. Guess who else works with him? Sire Williams. It's going to be a fun summer for those two guys in particular, Sean. And I know that the summer is starting a bit earlier than many of us had hoped. I know that a lot of us had hoped that the Grizzlies would be the team in the Western Conference Finals. But the whole point is, again, heard it said many times, you fail now to have success later. And I know that the Grizzlies realize this is just the beginning stages. They're willing to put in the work to make sure that's the case moving forward. It's going to be an exciting offseason. We're going to give you the best content we possibly can. So much to talk about. We're going to get into reacting to the playoffs this week. Looking forward to some important dates as well as the offseason moves forward. For DeMichael Cole, my name is Sean Coleman. Hope you have a great Monday. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.